Hi everyone, and welcome to the 77th episode of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host, Daryl, and I'm here with Lauren. Hi, guys! And Spencer. I'm so excited, and I just can't hide it. I know, I know, I know. I don't remember the rest of that song, actually. So, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm joined by a bunch of crazy people today. Join up in the oh, hype, Daryl. This is Hype Train Edition, Final Fantasy Union. Is it? Hype when? Train. We're, this is the Hype Train. We're in it right now. Yeah, we what are. I mean, what we, are we, we can only for? afford Coach, but we're in it nonetheless. What, what are we hyped for? Um, episode 77. Episodes yeah, I mean, who wouldn't be hyped for that, right? It's because it's going to be amazing. And everyone who's listening right now is just going to be blown away by the end of the show. <laughs> like everyone listening mm. in their cars is going to be like just stopping everything and go, Whoa! Episode <laughs> 77! <laughs> this is the one we're going to write in the history books about! Yeah. Not to, not to like set any expectations or anything. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. we wouldn't want to do that, ever. No. <laughs> it's not like Square Enix have done that at all. <laughs> oh. Oh. But, um, the tone has been lowered and we've been going for about a minute. That's, uh... I think well, that's guys, thanks for listening to episode well, 77 of Final Fantasy Union. Well, you dissed my March impression, so... I that was before be... the show. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Anyway, guys, today we've got the typical three-segment show. We're returning back to normal this month because Spencer hasn't just flown off to another random place again. Well, I mean, I have, but I don't think you guys want to hear about Guatemala. No, we don't. You can keep that to yourself. <laughs> what happens in Guatemala stays in Guatemala. Well, if you, exactly. follow my t- if you follow my Twitter, there's a reason I've been that sick. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, moving away from Spencer's illness... Uh, we're going to have a three-segment show, and there's going to be news and discussion, followed by a burning question, which had a ton of responses this episode. And then we've got a question segment, which is going to be talking about the recent release of a rival RPG. Ooh. Mysterious. Yes, mysterious. It's probably um, a Pokemon series making a comeback. Before we get on to anything else, though. I need to remind you guys that Final Fantasy Union is part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union, and it's presented by the Gaming Union Network and Tweak. Tweak. And tweaksmusic.com. And it comes out on the iTunes store, FinalFantasyUnion.com, and GamingUnion.net. Tweak. Tweak. So if you've been paying attention to the, the website, the Facebook, or the Twitters, you'll have noticed that we uh, made a pretty big announcement last week, and that's that we're going to be having a new show on the podcast feed. It's going to be called Ask Square Enix, and it's plans to release on the Friday after Final Fantasy Union. So that means the coming Friday. And uh, we're going to be joined on the show by Square Enix Europe's community manager, called ben, who's called Ben Bateman. And um, the whole purpose of the show is that we're going to open it up as a, a forum to you guys. So you can ask pretty much anything you want within reason. Uh, I think we've, the stipulations that we set are no, nothing about Versus or Type Zero release dates. Uh, but apart from that, I think everything's pretty fair game. Yeah, I like and, how um, I like how aware they are of the two most wanting to know answers. Like, yeah, yeah, but we're not going to talk about those. Yeah, yeah. Ben Thanks, Ben. Complaining we'll, about we'll get to we'll get. Well, the time we get to episode nine, it'll all just be personal questions about Ben's life. Yeah. <laughs> What's your perfect Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the whole purpose of the show is to try and get you guys some answers um, and. Uh, we're going to pilot it this, this week, and uh, we're just going to see how it goes. I mean, if it turns out that you guys don't really find anything useful out of the podcast, then um, I guess we'll have to figure out how it's going to work in the future. Um, or if you find that you can't think of anything else to ask about except for Final Fantasy Versus 13 or Type-0. Don't forget about those, hit, those Hitmans. 
It's a good. Yeah, yeah. Those Hitman questions are important. It's, it's open for every Square Enix franchise. So then, you know, if you want to ask questions about Nier or um, Chocobo Racing, but, you can do that. But Daryl, I've come to the realization that Nier's dead. Nier's not dead because Don't it's it's actually the third game in the franchise. So you know, there's always hope. Dragon and Quest first... Ten coming out in America. Yeah, no one, no one cares. Shit. If we got a question about Dragon Quest, I'd be very surprised. I'll make a new alias just for that. Yeah. What do you guys think about Dragon Quest X coming out in North America? And then he just starts laughing at our face and said, That's yeah. not a real question. Go back to Japan. <laughs> anyway, we are now going to go into the new segment where we're going to talk about some upcoming games. Or, well, one of them is just the, it's one of the ones we just mentioned as Taboo. So that's, um, that's a good one. Um, but we're going to kick it off with Lightning Return to Final Fantasy XIII. And um, this is actually related to Spencer's trip to uh, um, San Francisco last month. Um, we, we we published the question and answer that uh, he was part of with uh, Kataze and Toriyama. And um, there are a few, like I guess, pre-planned questions, but Spencer did manage to throw in a couple that were a bit more off the cuff. That's just how I roll. I'm a I'm wild card, is what you would say. Yeah. <laughs> So, we're wrapping it up, guys. But wait! Yeah, I've got more. Ah, somebody just cut the brakes. This car ride isn't over yet. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Spencer asked these questions at the airport when he was uh, saying goodbye to Tariyama by not making eye contact with we were, him. We were actually hand-in-hand hand nervous. <laughs> we, there was a special bond the two of us had. Both with awkward smiles and bad teeth. <laughs> oh, thanks. Oh. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, Spencer. Uh, yeah, I think you should be apologizing to my new waifu, Toriyama-san. He would not appreciate what you just said about his dental work. He's very, he's very sensitive about that. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we, we picked out a couple of questions here. Um, the first one is... Um, it was an interesting one because they <laughs> it is probably a rather fantastic answer if you're looking from the perspective of how to answer a question without answering it. And... Uh, <laughs> That was that Kataze was asked um, after the split reception that the first two games in the 13 franchise had received, why are you making a third game? And his response was Lightning is an attractive character to the development team and there were many plans to expand on the story before we even started working on 13 Part 2. So, nah. Yeah, that's basically just a total biatch slap. <laughs> we're going to ignore the fact that people don't like it. Yeah. That actually, that actually just kind of reminds me about, um, I guess, this sort of current like tech- technology. Did you guys all see that Australian Adobe press conference that happened last week? I did not. No, it, tell, was, Spencer. it was basically the entire press conference was in a bunch of Australian tech journalists getting together, and after... The Q&A started, one guy started by asking, hey, why is it um, a, a more a grand, more expensive than it is in America for something digital? And they just gave like a, like a BS answer just saying, oh, Adobe Cloud is blah, 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 cheaper. Everyone should start using it, like one-time purchases and whatnot, and just avoiding it. And so everyone else got in on it and kept asking and asking and asking until they just had to force the press conference over because no one would ask oh any God. other questions and why was it so damn expensive? <laughs> so I think if me and all the other sites just teamed up and uh, yeah. asked this one question, we wouldn't have gotten anything else. So be gr- yeah, grateful for true. the answer we got, people. It's very true. If they don't want, if they don't want to answer it, they won't answer it. But that's the thing too, because like obviously, if they don't give an answer, they're obviously not confident enough about their. That's the thing. By giving that answer, they already gave the answer. Mm. It's true. 
they're not confident enough to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So learn that, Australian journalists. I'd just be like, um, well, go screw yourself. We see, yeah, because then, like, sometimes <laughs> with interviews, I've seen, like, sometimes people just get, like, really, like, angry and, like, yeah. start attacking the person because they won't answer it. It's like, a Q&A does not mean you are not allowed to give me the A's for my Q's. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm asking these questions, you have to answer me! <laughs> Like, watch oh, just me. do what uh, Quentin Tarantino did. Oh, uh, thank you, Lord. I was like, BBC I was trying to think one. who did that, and yeah. what, did he, what did he say? Like, he's like, no, I'm, I'm not. Monkey. I'm not your. I'm, okay, not, your I'm not your monkey. I'm not your slave. I don't have to answer your questions. Oh, but by doing that, he was answering it. Yep, he was giving him just what he wanted. Yeah, a reaction. Sneaky journalist. <laughs> anyway, so the second question, which I believe was one of the ones that you asked, Spencer. Yes was, uh, what was their opinion on the fan reception to the downloadable content in Final Fantasy XIII Part Two? Now, this was actually an interesting one, because I still swear that when they released, when they announced they were releasing DLC, they initially said it was just going to be, like, really insignificant things, like costumes and stuff like that, right? Well, and then they changed it towards the, yeah. like, when release date got closer, like, well, we could do downloadable episodes... Yeah, so that's basically what they did, as everyone knows. And uh, Katase said that, unsurprisingly, outside of the outfits, fans didn't really buy anything. And they were a bit disappointed that they didn't end the story with the episode that they said they would end the story with. It's just weird, too, because all the outfits everyone bought was all the, like, nostalgia outfits. Like, yeah, like, like barely anyone bought the, stuff. like, third-party, like, Mass Effect or Assassin's Creed costumes. Everyone wanted to buy, like, the Black Mage or White Mage costumes and stuff like it, that. It makes sense, really. I mean, it's just the whole thing. Like, you know, people play Final Fantasy because it's not a Western game. Like, if, you, if you're going to shove in Assassin's Creed, you're going to shove in Mass Effect, you can't be too surprised if the people that play Final Fantasy don't actually care about those other games. Well, <laughs> I think like, they would have cared, but it's sort of like... Yeah, but... I actually, like, and a lot of reason, like, why they would have bought it as well is because outfits in the game did nothing outside of cosmetics. And that's the whole thing about yeah. that's really cool with Lightning Returns, because outfits change how you play. So if that DLC, like, went to Lightning Returns, you would probably see some, like, Assassin's Creed attack that was super crazy, or Mass Effect gun that Lightning would start using. Which I yeah, think would actually tempt more people to buy it. To be honest, like, um, this kind of goes along with the game that I play, um, League of Legends, where, like, there's certain costumes that you just know not to play and not to buy because you're just wasting your money. They're the ones that are just, like, rehashed colors of of the original outfit, so there's, like, no point. But then there's some outfits that actually change, like, the way they dance or what they say, and you can be sure the minute I get a new outfit like that, I'm already trying to figure out what's new about it, and that's the whole exciting thing about it. So, yeah, no... It's like, if it's just there and it's just cosmetic, that doesn't really make too much of a difference. It's, like, exciting for maybe a second when you're just like, oh my gosh, this is so cool, it's in the game. Wait, it can't do anything. Oh. You see, I, I, I'm horrible and I'm the exact customer someone likes. I think I've told it up once. In Little Big Planet, I spent a, almost $1,000 in DLC. Oh my god. You're crazy. You poor, I, I'm the poor kind of guy son. who, when they say, hey, one week only glowy t-shirt for your sack character that you probably won't use a lot, I'll buy it. Yeah, it's only available. We better buy it now. <laughs> I can't resist him. He's so cute in those little costumes. 
Dressing up as Kermit the Frog and Woody. All right. Oh well, this is the it's part where okay, everyone judges Spencer. me, so let's yeah, all just forget that's Spencer what, said how I much left, money he spent. I left a short silence in there so people could just kind of reflect on what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Although, so, uh, to be fair, Daryl, you do have two sack boys in your room. I do, but it's not DLC. It's not a DLC. <laughs> it's but it's both real life content. It's real content. RLC. <laughs> anyway, so they were the questions. If you want to see the rest of the questions and answers, then feel free to go on FinalFantasyUnion.com. You can see them there. Um, there's a nice little picture of Toriyama that they put on their Facebook page of him with the Lightning Returns. Is he screen. smiling? He, he actually his, does have a little bit of a smile. His teeth are shining. shining. Gorgeous. Oh, the man, he's a good looking man. Yeah, it was Katase, yeah. not Toriyama. Sorry to, uh, you know, uh, make that they're, mistake. They're both good-looking guys. Yeah. It's a shame that Toriyama just can't feel the Be careful, Lauren. You're treading on thin ice right now. No. <laughs> I can't feel the <laughs> Anyway, moving on. Uh, we're going to talk about Type Zero, um, the game that you're not allowed to talk to about the release date. He who shall not be named. Yeah, That's um, what we'll all refer to the game to from now on. So, basically, because Square Enix are still dragging their feet here and not announcing I think they're just, like, sinking into the quicksand at this point. There's no even effort. I mean, like, you've got all the petitions, the Facebook campaigns, and blah, 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 blah. They're all still going on. Um, We're literally one cut for Bieber campaign away from, like, every option being tried out here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, the latest option is that fans just trying to do it themselves. Um... Some guys from a Game Boy Advance modding community have pretty much hacked up the Japanese version of the game, and they've been able to make it so that you can change the in-game subtitles, which will be roughly matched up with what the characters are saying. Obviously, the, the Japanese speak is slightly different to English. and um, But but the, the way that the game is programmed, apparently you can change, obviously, the subtitles and match that with the lips, and you can also change all the, the graphics in the cutscenes. Um, so that's quite cool. Um, yeah. He posted up a video on YouTube of um, the kind of hack that he'd done so far. And he's pretty much said, like, you know, if you want to use this, then you can. And um, so if people are committed enough to making a full port, then well, the Square Enix are going to allow it, really. But <laughs> I mean, as long they- as they don't try and charge it or, po- or it actually gets popular, then no one will probably try and t- ask them to take it down. Well, really, it's their own. It's their own effing fault. Like it's their own fault. So really, they can't be that angry. The only thing they have to be angry with is themselves. And yet, we still don't have that 3D fan-made Chrono Trigger game. Nope. But yeah, like I mean, watching like um, like you play Dynasty Warriors. Are all the Dynasty Warriors like that, where they have just Japanese speaking and? No, no only because only recently is yeah. Like because if you remember, lazy. in like the 100 worst video game lines, there is the uh, plenty of Dynasty Warriors in there. But wait, Dynasty, they... Dynasty Warriors games had some of the funniest dubs ever. That's why I could, it's sad that like they don't really do them anymore. Actually, that was the one about like. But the... it doesn't seem like it's that bad with the Japanese and just the subtitles. No, yeah, I think no, it's, yeah. It, I don't think anyone would ever actually complain. More people complain about when there is a dub, actually, than when there yeah. is. Yeah, because I, I think exactly. with, with something like Dynasty Warriors, 
the game is supposed to be really over the top and camp and cheesy. Yeah. And then, but it's okay with the Japanese voice actors, but when yeah. it comes to the English ones, they just go completely mental. Yeah. Although I will say one thing, I, and I have talked to Daryl about this before, the um, kit, like Fist of the North Star games, that British dub is pretty top notch. And the fact that it's gone now is really sad. Just because those guys really loved making invisible air punching noises. You can just hear it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it makes no sense why, why Square Enix couldn't Although, have just Although, I'm kind of surprised, actually, because you always hear about, like, from, like, Japanese, like, focus sites and whatnot, that, like, when a game comes out in Japan, normally in Asia, and especially with Final Fantasy games... There's usually always, an English subtitles version. Yeah, an English subtitles version, which I'm surprised has never come out. Because I, because yeah. especially like um, Metal Gear is probably like the premium franchise. Even if it's even in Japan, they are always the games in English typically. Mm. No, that's more Resident Evil. J- Japan still focuses heavily on like, but they they try and like have both editions. It's never in the same package, but they offer it at least for all the main titles. I thought that Kojima always did, um, especially in like trailers and stuff. He always did. English oh yeah, yeah, first. yes, yes, for trailers definitely, but I for final product. Yeah, yeah which they... means it's already all. It, but that's like you're saying it's already all done. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a weird thing. Yeah, like I was even like hearing about it recently. Um, what is it? Uh, that new Keiji Nafune game, Soul Sacrifice, is they're going to have the Japanese dialogue be DLC. Like, if you want what, Japanese you voice acting, for? it's DLC. Yes. Ugh. I know that some games have done that, but not paid for. Yeah, paid paid for free. DLC for like voice options, and Resident Evil is doing it as well with Six coming out soon. It's like, why? We shouldn't have to pay for voice acting in video games. It's already done. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Any way they can make money. I say, go, go, peeps. Go, go, peeps, trying to hack the game. Yes. I guess it. I guess it is convenient, too, because it actually, the fu- like, even if you already own a copy or, like, have it downloaded, most times it's, like, since it's a two-UMD disc game, like, having a download version, you normally have to have two files. I guess it is kind of nice you now just have it in one file. Mm-hmm. Although, whenever yeah, you switch you the button. disc, it pretty much looks like you're hopping into debug mode or something. Yeah, well, I'm guessing that's just, like, the, uh, whatever it is that you people use to mod their PSPs. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't yeah, know either. I don't know. I'm still using my dumb UMDs. Yep. Same. same. <laughs> all right. Next segment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna. That's all. That's all with the news we have really for for the moment. Um, so we're now gonna go into the burning question, and this was actually quite an interesting one. We had so many responses. I think this is probably one of the ones where we've had the most responses since we started doing it. I think we had a good like seventy or eighty. Yay, people! It seems that people um, really wanted to. Tell others, I guess, what kind of JRPGs they're playing right now. Um, so the question we asked was, is Square Enix still your main company for JRPGs? And I have to say that the response was really, really mixed. There are some people who are, you know, saying, yes, Square Enix, I, I still trust them. Others saying, never really trusted them in the first place. <laughs> Bat- be- battered wife syndrome is what it's called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you want to kick us off, Spencer? Sure. Um, Leno underscore Eli or Ellie, however, uh, from Twitter says they sort they sort of strayed uh, from traditional JRPGs, but I'll always stick with them. I started with them and I'll finish with them. Um, I definitely agree with that. I probably will just always stick with them, even if like they're kind of going through a teething phase right now. 
Um, I still like, even though some of the older, um, the older people have, have left, so like we don't have Nobuo Imatsu anymore, I still listen to like the Final Fantasy 13 and Final Fantasy 13 2 soundtrack. He's still kicking. But yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you know what I mean, just in the sense that he's not really in the Final Fantasy, he's not, he wasn't in Final Fantasy 13, he was at Final Fantasy 14. But Final Fantasy Thirteen is more of the like the new age. Yeah, but like uh, I still listen to them. I can't resist them, and I probably will be really giddy once Lightning Returns comes out. Anyway, so Aww. yeah, I know it's sad. Anyway, so the next response was from Matt Coelho on Facebook, and they said, "Sadly, Final Fantasy's golden era has passed." While I used to solely look forward to their things, I now look forward to plenty of other developers such as Mistwalker, Monolith, Nintendo, Square, and Atlas. And as you should, because honestly, I mean, if you kind of think about it, just sticking with like one publisher nowadays, like back in the old like nineties, and especially like back especially, in the like, old like, days, well, it's <laughs> almost twenty years now. Well, I'm just saying it's, like, back then, like, so many kind of games were coming out from, like... And there weren't as many, like, publishers and, like, developers. Like, you really didn't have as many options. Yeah. Like, you 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 could just, like, stick with one publisher. But now it's, like, if you just stuck with Square and were only an RPG fan, what are you going to play? Sleeping Dogs? You should, but you probably won't. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, if you stuck with just Atlas, then you'd be playing Game of Thrones, and then who knows where you'd be. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, frequency is, is, has been a big thing. I mean, if you go on Wikipedia and look, you go to Wikipedia and look at, like, 1996 in gaming, there were probably about, like, maybe 20 big releases that year. And if you go and look at, like, 2012, there's, like, 100. Yeah. And, and yet people... And it's so weird, too, because, like, back then, like, no one no one ever complained. Because it was like, oh, man, 20, like, the most amazing games ever. 2012, what did we hear, like, the most out of that, like, when that year ended? Mm, didn't really have that many good games. Yeah, okay. too many Take sequels. A look back. We had tons of amazing games. Too many sequels, no originality. Uh, see, you could wow. even complain about that for the PS One era, but I think it was so many newcomers getting into it. Like their voice was louder than all the complainy uh, snobs. Yeah, because the PS One had just like loads of ports and stuff, yeah. like Final Doom, <laughs> best <laughs> Doom ever, the last yeah. Doom. That's the thing, like, they were just trying, that was, like, the trying out one, wasn't it? Well, I guess first, technically, there was, like, Sega Saturn. That was the first thing where I saw, like, 3D. Well, that and maybe Sega Genesis, it's all a little bit Sonic 3D. 3D. Ugh, Sonic loved, 3D Blast. I loved um, Nights on Sega Saturn. I thought that was amazing, but... Girls um, always yeah. do. That always surprises me. I never hear guys who are like, oh, it I love Nights. so much fun. Oh, no, I've heard of guys who liked Nights, but whatever the case. Here is, <laughs> They're not uh, real men. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I think you just offended a lot of our listeners. Go so see Fast Five and get back to me, lady. <laughs> okay, well, this next one is from Ryokjin, who says, Personally, I think Square has been going downhill since they changed from Square Soft to Square Enix. Harsh, but I think fair. Oh, I think it's definitely fair. I think in some areas, but in others, they've made some of the best decisions in years. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the, the whole... St- RPG. If you if you're focusing solely on RPGs, I, I think that's probably true because okay, if you look yeah. at the ones they've released since then, it's been ten two, twelve, thirteen, and yeah. thirteen part two. And ten two was just the beginning. Yeah, I mean that was obviously the first sequel. Twelve then was a massive mess up. Thirteen. It was, was... mainly just development hell. 
Like, as yeah. a game, yeah, as a game it's, it's not, like, that insulting. They didn't have the best luck. And it was also, ironically, like, the one where Western RPG fans felt that Square Enix had actually kind of made a game that they could get into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And fans of Final Fantasy were kind of like, what is this? Yeah. Well, <laughs> this I is not my really... baby, sir. Put it back. Yeah. I was really weirded out when they started going online because I, like, at the time... I was in an. I was at the age where I just didn't really understand online gaming and yeah, stuff I mean, like that. I, I think thought it was made for pedophiles. And uh, <laughs> were you still using AOL keywords, Lauren? Um, no, I was CompuServe. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> I think I think um, <laughs> people who played eleven, twelve probably wasn't that much of a departure. I mean, there were lots of similarities, and I think that's. I, I remember them saying that's kind of what they were trying to achieve. And off twelve is 11. the lonely man's version of eleven. Yeah, that's basically what it comes down to. And yeah. like, if you think about like the technical accomplishments in that game, like it, it was a first for so many RPGs. It I still looks being amazing. So for it, but the weirdest thing about it is that like critics absolutely love. Yeah, these because games. it was a Western-styled RPG. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like it's really weird. I just have so many fond memories of playing like seven through ten. And if, then... if you think about like everyone always complained about the linearity of thirteen, but really yeah. like the games previous to prior to that were still pretty linear. Like if, if, even if you think seven, yeah. like until you get the airship. You're on a pretty narrow path as Ten to where is you can go. Pretty freaking Ten, linear. I'd have to say, is actually the most, which always yeah. amazes me yeah. why everyone complains about thirteen. It's like, I know. for God's sakes, like a ten was almost insulting. Ten, that's they what completely. You got angry based that off was of. when they took out the world map, and they were just like, "No, you're actually going to follow a path." Yeah, it's not airship sense. anymore. You have to go here, 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 or here. And it, when you go there, there's generally nothing to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It made sense with the story, if only because you know it was, was a going on a pilgrimage. Yeah. But still, yeah, that was like a big sort of. But then again, they still had like little Easter egg places where you could go back to, yeah. like the temple. You had to find the blitzball. Um, well, yeah, but like the um, the hidden temples. Yeah, there was still stuff to do. I mean, that but... was. I think. I guess that was the thing with thirteen. Like you could never go back. There was never well, any with, places that you. Well, could with thirteen, really go back. they yeah. basically expected once Except you got maybe, to chapter yeah. eleven to make a new save file and then come back when you beat the game and do all the dumb side quests. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, twelve obviously was slightly different because it was completely open world. Like the enemies were there; you could choose to fight them or not. There was the whole marks if you were there. There's tons of stuff to do, really. And yeah. I think that's it was. All, it, it, like. it had too much stuff to do, though. Yeah. But like, if you think about outside of Final Fantasy. Like Dragon Quest is is probably doing the best it's ever done. We're ignoring ten at this point. Okay, yeah, because I don't know if anyone's noticed, but ten is bombing. Yeah, like nine was the best selling Dragon Quest in history. Um, and like, but apart from that, okay, yeah, the seven just came from, out. Apart actually. from Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest, like what RPGs have Square Enix really brought to the table? They've done well. Because I can't really think of any, but, but like prior call, to are that, are we not calling Kingdom Hearts an RPG and not counting the last well, they're, two? They're not really it's main more of like anymore. It's an action one. Yeah, I mean they haven't released a main series one since. So, so, you, so you would mean like just like a, a more Other traditional RPG? Well, yeah, I mean there's still action RPGs, but yeah, I mean they haven't really done any. Like, where's the Chronos? Where yeah. like the Mana franchise has pretty much just died. Well, no, the Mana franchise is just like crappy social game just like everything exactly. else in japan the and weird like, thing about it is that like people will keep craving these other games like chrono trigger and stuff but square enix just seems to just 
completely just. I, I think the last big RPG they released was probably the World Ends with You, right? Mm, in terms of outside yeah. of like their their safe zone. But even but that, they were just kind of like, like sold let's forget well, it. Though. I mean, and it sold one, okay. That one really, it, it sold okay, but it, it it you had to wait till the iPad iPod version to finally make a profit on that game. Yeah, but I think I, I mean like Bravely Default, from what I hear, is is really good, and that's that been selling pretty well. I mean, it outsold Kingdom Hearts um, 3D in Japan, so... Mm. Yeah, I guess that could actually be their next big one, which I'm But they're not going to release it in the West. Well, we don't know. Who did Star... It's unlikely now. Who did Star Ocean? That's Square Enix, but it's Tri-Ace. Mm-hmm. It's more of an Enix Because that was game another game where like, I know a lot of people who would have loved to have played another one of those. But... Well, that, uh, that's another one. Since the Square Enix merger, Star Ocean's kind of gone down the pan. Exactly. <laughs> See, Star Ocean's oh, well. just been one of those like kind of forgettable like series. Like either you know about them or you have no idea anything. Yeah, about I mean, they, they did... I know about them and I want to play they them. Did, they did do some games. I mean, like towards the start of the generation, Square Enix were a bit more open. I mean, like they did the Last Remnant. They had obviously Star Ocean Four. They did Infinite Undiscovery. Mm. No, Infinite Undiscovery is um, I think that was Sega. No, 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 no. That was is definitely. It, isn't that a DS game? Infinite Undiscovery. No, no. Oh, uh, wait, no. What's the other one? There, there's a, there's an, there's one that has a similar name that was a, a Triace game. You, Resonance of Fate is what I'm thinking of for Triace. No, that was that was a Sega one. That was End, Endus, Ends of Eternity. Okay. As well. Um. No. But what was the one that Platinum Games did? I think that's Platinum. Platinum Games was the one who did Infinite Undiscovery. Okay. That, there was definitely a Triace one. Okay. Well, oh, somebody yeah, give it, write us in out. and let us all know, and then we'll say, yeah. aw, and feel dumb. Yeah. Someone stall while I look this up. Anyways. <laughs> I'll, air, I'll stall by doing the next one. Alan Martinez on Facebook says, Yes and no. They kind of lost their edge. My main company for RPGs goes to Atlas, Namco, Sega, and Exceed. Which, I'm sort of surprised not a lot more people like gave like props to like Exceed or NIS, because like, they're kind of like... Yeah. The, the big underdogs at the moment. Like, if you had to think, it's like, who true. who's the coolest out of all the kids who got the third place medals, I think of those guys. But it's, like, it's weird, because they're very, they're very acquired tastes. Because, like, I've tried the Tales series in the past, and I just can't get into them. Atlas, and, like, a I lot of people definitely... are also saying that with, um... What is it like now that like Nino Kuni's come out? I had a lot of people actually tried the demo until the oh the game's gorgeous. Ooh, I don't like how it plays though. Yeah, it's interesting. Although like it's really weird with Nino Kuni because it seems like it's like a complete and utter conglomerate of all the JRPGs that are out there right now. It's like it has a little bit of Final Fantasy, it has a little bit of Tales, yeah, a little I, bit of I, everything. I think- it's quite interesting when you look at the different styles of JRPGs because I, I think um, they've, they've kind of tailed off a bit. But I remember when I started up uh, GU and I was reviewing a lot more like broad games because you know I didn't really venture out that far out of Final Fantasy. I, I, w- I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a massive JRPG player. And I started trying out the different franchises and then I was doing like um, games I'd never even really heard of like Magna Carta and stuff like that. And, and like you kind of realise that even though 13 isn't quite what people expected... It's still a lot better than the other stuff that's out there. Oh yeah, there's like a lot. There's like a lot of shite ones out there that most people don't even know for a good reason because there's like they just get sent out to die basically. And for I mean, the record, can... Spencer, oh, yes, Infinite Undiscovery was made by Triace. So what's the platinum one? Infinite that they made? Space. Oh, what? they all sound the same. They're dumb. Yeah, I know. Yeah, although <laughs> although, although Infinite Space is a space. really really nerdy but awesome DS RPG. If anyone can ever find it. 
But yeah, I think it kind of emphasizes the point that like, Infinite Undiscovery is a game that was made by Triace, and it was it was okay. And there were plenty of games like earlier in this generation, especially when Microsoft were like thinking, yeah, PS2 is all about JRPG, so what we're going to do is we're going to steal them all. <laughs> and then no one bought them, and yeah. they were like, oh, crap. But like, I mean, it's like, it's hard to get like an RPG to sell even now. Like, the MPGs yeah. came out, like we were saying, Nino Kuni. Like, Nino Kuni didn't even crack the top 10, although it's like the best one that's sold in a long time. Like, Namco's it did, really it did well it. over here. Uh, it was it, it was the best selling game in the UK for uh, like a week or two. It's and just I, really... I mean, it's, it's interesting too because, I mean, apparently it actually would have cracked the top 10 if the MPG like just wraps them all up together. So, comparing it when you have like Assassin's Creed and Call of Duty and Far Cry, it's sort of hard to compare just since. Nino Kuni yeah. is only on one platform. It's just really funny because it just seems like everything, everywhere is just trying to break out of their sort of, like, um, genre. Because it's just like, you know, with Xbox 360, they were just like, oh, let's release some let's release some JRPGs, man. Blue Dragon. It's like, why don't you just stick yeah. to what you're good what you're good at. I think that's the problem. Square Enix as you, well. You look at some of the other companies that are being mentioned here. You've got Alice, you've got Exceed, you've got Nice. And you got like Miss Walker, you've got Monolith. Alice they, does what Alice yeah, does. They they know exactly what they're doing. They can budget for the games that they want to make, and they know who their target market is. They know that their games are primarily going to sell in Asia, and if they get any traction in the West, that's fantastic for them. But they don't mm-hmm. really expect it, and I think that's kind of the problem with the more mainstream JRPG um, staples, like especially kind of Tales. I think that's probably the biggest one. Because Namco are so afraid of releasing that in the West, because they're just they're just worried that the sales aren't going to make it look good. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say I bet Nino Kuni. I mean, I don't know how Grace's F sold, but that sold well, and I bet I would I wouldn't be shocked if Nino Kuni sold better than any Tales game ever would. Yeah, yeah I mean, just it's just surprising. based on the art direction. But like, I think the problem is that you see all these companies, and they'll be like, "Oh, Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed and Mass Effect and like Skyrim, and they're all selling this amount. We should be selling that." But the, th- the problem is that those games are targeted at the demographic that's yeah. in the West, exactly. and you don't go around. You don't see these companies going, "Oh, well, Mass Effect sold really terribly in in like China and Japan." And, like, Assassin's Creed does really badly over there. They don't care. That's the other thing, too. It's just, like, you know, those kind of games, no offense to any party who is listening to this podcast, but they attract bros. They attract a specific type of person most of the time. People who aren't really that big into games, but they're just like, oh, well, I want to play Call of Duty or whatever. Like, they just have time for, like, one game, so they focus on one series, like, Call of Duty or um, I can't think of anything else at the moment for Madden. whatever reason. Madden. Yeah, Madden. Halo. Oh my god, the amount of times that guys have gone out and bought Madden. Oh my god. It's same with FIFA game. as well. Yeah, it's, like, it's not it's, it's just, not really it's just like, Well, I guess it's Madden for America and FIFA for the rest of the world. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, just, it's just, like, just kind of going back full circle, really, because if you think about it from the perspective of companies are going to make games for their, their audiences and they kind of are like Square Enix are, are going down that route again if you think about Final Fantasy there were some Final Fantasy games that North America didn't get Europe didn't even get one until 7 because yeah. they knew that they weren't really going to sell over there it wasn't really that it wasn't worth it for them to release that and Square Enix are kind of getting back into that like Type 0 like Bravely Default and there were other DS games from the last genera- generation like um, um, uh, Blood Blood of Bahamut I think it was called Mm-hmm. Um, and 
like they're not going to release them in the West because they don't feel they can make any enough money out of it to warrant it. But then mm-hmm. equally, there are Western publishers who don't release games in Japan because they know they're not going to sell. Yeah. And that's how it used to be. And I, I think in the PS2 and the start of this generation, it was kind of like everyone said worldwide simultaneous releases it must happen that way like otherwise people get angry and stuff like that but yeah i think it seems to be going back because the markets are clearly changing i mean you've got north america and europe and now the i think europe's probably bigger than america in some respects now when it when it comes to when it comes to like gaming yeah you could say especially with like rpgs like, yeah, say exactly. There's a bigger market but, for them there. But, but, you know, if you want to release a game in Europe, it's a lot more money. You've got to get because different voice actors. Because of all the different territories. And, yeah, all exactly. Different, yeah. It's, it's like with America, like people would think like Europe and Australia just get kind of screwed over. Pal, Pal releasing a game is so complicated with all the different countries and stuff. Like um, uh, North America, it's like you have Canada and America, super simple, because they're basically like the same thing. And then yeah. Latin America just sort of takes care of take care of itself. Although Canada has to have it done in French as well. Yeah, but most but, but most times companies just yeah. do that anyways. It's, like that, it's not like most times every it's like language never a under the sun. Yeah, I think that's kind of what annoys people in Europe as well, because if you think about the UK, like we can just have the American version, but they can't do that because they'll risk annoying the French, the Spanish, the German with those Germans getting yeah fast. I mean it's so, like you know it, it is unfair so and basically we need to separate ourselves from Europe <laughs> I think that's yeah. that's the whole basis of all of this we have to separate ourselves from Europe and we have to just be England um yeah anyway we just went on a massive we did massive yeah we did massive kind of going tangent massive segue. so I'm gonna go on the next one and the next comment we had was from Bohemian Moose 69 on oh, Twitter one who oh, said, wait, no, maybe they didn't. Never mind. There's still one of them, might, well, still one of the main companies for JRPGs, but all they have really anymore is Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts, and Star Ocean. I one-third disagree with you, sir. Star Ocean's Star- dead. Star Ocean, I don't, know where, I don't know where you pulled that out of your hat from. I mean, you have more of a franchise with Deus Ex than you do with Star Ocean when it comes to Scoriax at this point. I mean, I get, like, all this Star Ocean love, but... You have to think, the last release, what was it, 4 or 5 international? Uh, it was 4, that was 3 years ago. Yeah. Well, 4 years ago for the actual release, and then mm. 3 years ago for the PS3 one. I mean, it's like, you, you got, like, in the age of the internet where they make a petition for everything, I can't think of the last time I saw a petition for anything Star Ocean related. Yeah. And Please I know this is going to hurt. Star Ocean. I, I know, I know it's going to hurt, but no one cares. It's Star Ocean. Just t- take the games you have and go with it. You don't see anyone saying, oh, Legend of Dragoon 2. Shuhei Yoshida, make that game now, please. Because we know no one cares. Bring back that. Valkyrie profile. Yeah, and like it's kind of like all the people who still like complain about Valkyria Chronicles 3 never coming out. Listen, it's an amazing game, but it's not coming out. It's just not. It's comic book guy. They're all comic book guy from Simpsons. Pretty much, yes. You're all just comic book guy. Go back to your Comic-Con huts and think of... Just get excited for what is coming out, honestly. I think that also, like, it relates to a lot of, like, low sales for things. Like, there's so many series and franchises and fan bases that, like, hate on each other just because people like to have arguing wars against things. It's like... Some of them just don't make sense. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, no one should ever be arguing about... Oh, Final Fantasy, blah, Dragon Quest, blah. And I mean, I know even we've done that sometimes, but it's like, they're both pretty much the exact same game, and they're still yeah. good for those reasons. Yeah, exactly. Well, anyways, this last one is from Barnas on the forums, and he says, Yes, when they released um, 
when they release our JRPGs, I tend to trust their quality, and I haven't come across a bad JRPG from them. That includes Last Remnant, Infinite Discover, Undiscovery, etc., which are some of the better ones I've played. But since I've seen many, since I haven't seen many JRPG releases from them recently, I've been having Nice America titles as substitutes. That's a really interesting substitute to have. <laughs> a lot of printies. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I've played Nice. Nice I think uh, Disgaea is probably the, the JRPG I went to second as well. It's just uh, a very different. Very it's completely different, different but like of style. I feel Final Fantasy suits people that like grinding, mm. and Disgaea is like the biggest grind fest you that can is possibly grinding have. the game. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of grinding at all. I'm more of a fan of the story. What yeah. if the story was also all about grinding? <laughs> then that would just be awful. <laughs> on today's episode of grinding we grind actually i think i've i think i've actually become more um accustomed to playing action rpgs more than jrpgs oh uh, you now. just got lazy <laughs> lauren doesn't like actually thinking in battle she likes pressing x to win i do cause... wait that's just final fantasy no, yeah, that's that's true. Final Fantasy, that's Kingdom Hearts, that's any game that tries to be quote-unquote mainstream. I'm not trying to lie, I'm not trying to hide it. I play, like I keep saying, I play the games for the story. I get angry when I get stuck on a boss and I can't go forward with it. I think everyone gets angry on anything. Exactly. No, I don't. I, lo- I love like... when I just get stuck in a game. That's, that's like, <laughs> even, I know it sounds so that's weird. That's the best like, part. But like... I, I know it's weird, but it's like... Like say like if I have to like review something and like like something like a deadline's coming up for a whatever, reviewing I'm games gonna be hurrying and like worst. trying to finish this as much possible. But even if I get parts like where I'm stuck, I'm still getting challenged and I love getting like every second of it. Getting stuck on a freaking game and you have a deadline coming up for the review is probably like the worst thing in the entire world. And I know that people are gonna roll their eyes and be like, But you're still getting games. Yeah, no. When you're working a full-time job and you have to finish a freaking game, it is not fun. I still remember, actually, uh, when I was playing Trinity Souls of Zillol, which was a, a PS3 exclusive made by Omega Force, who make the Dynasty Warriors games. Um, that was an extremely long game. Like, it was an action RPG, and most action RPGs range in the 10 to 20 hours range, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was like 30 to 40 hours and you know generally in uh, RPGs it it was really like an RPG that was just more of an action thing it was it was i think it was a really good happy medium anyway didn't nice put it out or was it no it was it was tecmo okay um or tecmo koei um same thing yeah um but you know you have those things where you'll fight a boss and then you might fight another boss and then you fight another boss and you can't save in between or you know you, your health stays where it was before yeah, it's pretty common. This one had six bosses in a row. And the way that they did it was, it was you could run around the battlefield or whatever, um, but if you died, um, there were three people in your thing, and if you died, you controlled one of the other ones, and you could revive yourself, but every single time you revived, you had like 10% less health than you had before, and that was your maximum. So every single time you died, your maximum health decreased, and it, there was, it would get down to like 10% health. And the last boss that you have to fight you don't have any party members either and I was just I'd been doing this thing it was one of those things where I started at sort of like 11 o'clock at night and you're thinking okay well I'll just do this boss and I'll save up and go to sleep and finish it off tomorrow they just kept coming 
I think I oh, remember gee. that. I just I looked it up. Oh my god, I remember this game now. Oh, I, good lord. They yeah. just kept coming, and the last boss was a one-on-one, and because I had so little health left, because I died so many times, he killed me in one move. I think this was one of those games where, like, Daryl would be playing, and then he would just start cursing and going crazy. Yeah, I, And I'd just be like, calm down. Yeah, I was, I was. I think I was playing like this, trying to beat this guy for like an hour or so, and and uh, I ended up just talking to Colin on Skype just to vent, and and he was just like, "Well, oh, it was yeah, that it was one. Like, when well, when oh he does that God. move, why don't you? Because it, it was like he would he would get. I could beat the first phase fine, and then he would the second phase. He would do this move which you just couldn't evade, and Colin was just like, "Well, why don't you just jump?" <laughs> and then he just beat him. Yeah, and I was just like, "Well." I don't think that's going to help, but I'll try it. And it's like, okay, that works. And it's like, I've been playing this game for 30 hours and there had never been an instance ever that I had needed to jump. (laughs) For this moment. That that literally is me in every Mega Man game when I try and beat it the first time. That's the sad part. (laughs) And then you find that one thing that your brain just couldn't, like, comprehend and then you're fine. Yeah. For all of it. Yeah. But whatever the case. But yeah, that was a another segue. Yeah, I would like to also mention that Varnus mentioned Infinite Undiscovery there, Spencer. Just you know, yeah, just, yeah. just to just two, to reinforce two that. Two people point. have bought it. That put that in your record book sales. Although I'm not going to agree that the Last Remnant. Yeah, I've should be in any. I've, yeah, I've talked yeah. to him about that before. He likes it. Um, he's allowed. But to has have he his finished it? Opinion. Yeah, he has, finished it. He's finished it. He's probably one of the few people in the world that has. Yeah, well, I think he's playing the PC one, so it's. Uh, okay, they much fix better stuff. So basically, the, the whole thing the, about the, Lost the battles Remnant, don't have a draw distance yeah. errors. Well, well, the whole thing about the Lost Remnant was that they told you how to play it, but it was actually counterintuitive. Yeah. So they're like, right, so you've got to level up as much as possible, get massive chains and stuff. But the more you do that, the weaker you become. Yeah. So let's all just uh, take that moment of silence and remind ourselves to never play Last Remnant if yeah. you ever have or haven't. Just forget it ever happened. Just laugh it off and say, games for Windows and 360 owners, yeah, you can keep that exclusive. <laughs> that's that's your yeah. Final Fantasy, people. I think the PS3 de- version is still in development. Or it's, it's, um, they, they haven't I think officially cancelled it. Have, I think by development they have like three monkeys in a room working on, it, <laughs> on a DOS. And... Is it one of those things where by like, you know, there's the one in 360 billion chance that a monkey will be able to type out Shakespeare? Mm-hmm. And they're yeah, just that hoping one. that that one monkey will be able to type the And that one monkey is going to be responsible for making the greatest version of The Last Remnant ever. <laughs> oh, dear. We've, we've gone on the most odd tirades on this Burning Questions. That's because it was a fan- it was a fantastic topic. We haven't even said our own opinions yet. I, do, I know. I think I'm... Wow. We, I forgot that. We haven't even said our own yet. What about you, Spencer? Is Square Enix still your main company for JRPGs? <sighs> Wow, it was actually best to say really don't. I was like, they're not, but they're my main Final Fantasy company. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all the companies who put on Final Fantasy, they're number one. No, I. It's it's weird to say that, yeah, because Final Fantasy still is like my number one RPG series. No, but I've got to have to go with like a lot of other people and say Atlas is probably my yeah. my number one company when it comes to just varied RPGs, and that's honestly just due to the fact that they have Persona, they have Shin Megami Tensei. 
And then Shin, well, yes, just Shin Megami Tensei in general, because that is so many other sub-series and other releases and other kind of yeah, games. Yeah, I was going to say, because it's so part of that. But it's just, it's just so weird. And maybe you could, um, maybe you agree, uh, Spencer, but, like, even though, like, Persona, it's still a JRPG, I just don't hold it in the same realm as Final Fantasy. It's so, it's... Oh yeah, it's, it's so it's so they're textbook. so different, but it, like similar at the same time. But it's yeah, so there, different. there aren't that many franchises that are similar to Final. Like in terms no. of JRPGs, because I think Mistwalker with the Lost Odyssey were probably the only ones that stayed close. But that's what you'd expect because like, the guy who made Final Fantasy, but they even yeah. diverged quite a bit when the last story came out because the last oh, story is yeah. a lot more different. And oh yeah, I think because like, the Lo- Lost Odyssey they tried it and like it did well, but it didn't do that well. It, the game really fell apart towards the end. Like, uh, some people think Final Fantasy games do it, it like, it, it, but worse. Yeah, but, I, I mean, I, outside of that, like, what... Most RPG, JRPGs now tend to go down the Tales or the Discovery, where it's basically, like, a load of kids with um, anime art style. Mm-hmm. And, like, there are none that really tackle serious adult themes anymore or, like, Besi- anything Besides like that. Persona, well, I would say. Yeah, Persona well, Persona's does, still teenagers, though, isn't it? But, like, yeah, young but, teens. but the, the thing about that, though, is they're teenagers, but they're, like, it's actually hitting real teenage and adult issues, like, with gender identity and, like, actually talking about death. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sound like such a such a wuss by saying this, but I was, just, like, playing some Golden last night, and I'd gotten to the... This won't have any spoilers or anything, but... You like you live with uh, your uncle and um, his only daughter Nanako, and she, and I was going through the whole part of um, Nanako like finding out how her mother died in a car in a car accident and like was a hit and run, and like this whole emotional talk between like you, your uncle, and Nanako, and I was like literally like crying for a bit because Aww. of like cause, because the because the whole relationship and I'd even done this before I'd done this four years prior and I still remember crying, Aww. but just like like him like the father having like issues facing his daughter like talking about like like committing himself it's just stuff you don't like normally see especially but that's the thing though as well like even though the characters are teenagers like what you're just describing there is different because there's people of different age groups all interacting with each other like if you think about the tales franchise when do you ever get that like most oh, of yeah, the time yeah. well, like i'm saying persona is like one of those only series for me. I think like, Nier has that as well too because yeah. you've Still got Nier who's Nier. like the, the grumpy old man but you've got Kaine who's obviously like uh, uh, represents different gender and also gender issues um, but you've got Emil who's like a little kid but, thing, but way more mature than he should be. That, like because I know you haven't actually played Persona um, but it's like with Persona and the differences between Persona and Final Fantasy is that Persona does focus on the real issues but that's because it's in a semi-real world, whereas, like, Final Fantasy is it's just... It's all It's all otherworldly. You're taken to different places. Maybe Final Fantasy VII, maybe Final Fantasy VIII is sort of kind of similar, but not really. I'd say VIII is probably the most but similar. Like, but, like, Persona, it, like, really, I don't... And it's hard to say without sounding like a kook, but... <laughs> Like, maybe not, like, the whole persona, like, summoning personas type thing could happen, but, like, end-of-the-world type stuff, it could happen, and you could not know what's going on with regards to the end of the world and stuff like that, but it's just kind of taking into, like, what would actually happen 
or how people would feel it's like when Digimon. the world ends. But <laughs> you see what I what I actually think about it though is like you bring up a really good point, Lauren. It's the reason why Persona I think hits it so well on the head, and like not a lot of other ones do it. Is if you just think about it, if Persona took all of the gameplay part of out of it, like when you go into the TV world or like Midnight Channel, yeah. it would still be an amazing story. Yeah, it's true. It, because it's that really whole dating true. sim, like re, like high school student simulator element, is just hit. They they do it so well. Like they know they know exactly like how to like make the, these characters feel real, care about them, and get you hooked in the story. It's astounding to think how little of the story actually happens when you're in either the TV world or you're in Tartarus or whatever it is. Um, oh, is it called? It's called the Tartarus, isn't it? Yeah, is that? yeah, for three, it's Tartarus. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I was worried that I was saying stuff from Doctor Who. Um, Tartarus. <laughs> the Tartarus, that's a good, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I have the case. Yeah, it's just like, you know, there's so, stuff does happen in them, a lot of big stuff, but most of the emotional story side, a lot of it, I, I, this could be arguable, but most of it happens outside of that. Like, and the the stories that happen in the town as well, like the old couple with the bookshop in Persona Three. It's just so sweet. But I know we're going on a massive other tangent again. But I I think my personal opinion is is that although I do love the Persona series and I think that it's great, there's just something special about Final Fantasy um, that I just seem to connect with and it could be the story it could be this music could be the gameplay it could be whatever but there's Even just nostalgia. something there's just yeah, something I think nostalgia about is the biggest it. thing at the moment there's just something absolutely about it that i just can't help it but i just i just like it a lot i think i mean people bash on the new ones because they're not as good as the old ones were in their opinion and it's a difficult comparison to make i mean if you think about it from the perspective of can you name any other franchise that has had as many installments as Final Fantasy and they haven't had a duff? Because from 1 to 10, every single one was like always heralded as one of the best games of the generation. Yeah. I mean, obviously there are some, when you compare like for like, that weren't as good. Like 5 doesn't really get as much recognition and 3, but then that's because they weren't really released in the West anyway. But like, you know, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, all of them could equally be up there as Even, some of the best I, games. I could argue 4 as well. Yeah. Oh, 4 was massive, yeah, especially like in America with the fact that it, it took so long for it to come out, and by the yeah. time it did, even with all of its problems and being way too easy for America, people still loved that game. Like, oh, I think yeah. 4 had more to like do with Final Fantasy being pop- like, 4 is up there with like Final Fantasy 7 in terms of ha- games that are important to the, the series' popularity. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think the problem with Final Fantasy fans is that they compare it to the, like, the Golden Age, effectively. But it doesn't mean the 13 and 13 2 are bad. No, none. Not like, at the, all. They're not, they're not as, as good. And I think that, for me especially, um, the, like, the nostalgia is kind of keeping me going because. I know that 12, 13, and 13, 2 haven't necessarily been my cup of tea. Like, the stories, they were good, but they weren't that great. I mean, 12 still was pretty pretty bad. They, they basically have a problem of being too big for their britches. Yeah, so 12, they... I mean, but that's the thing that I like about Final Fantasy, and it's the thing that I hope they never change. And, I mean, they've kind of started to change a little bit, but it, it was always the thing where every single game is treated as a completely separate thing. 
and they always were happy to experiment and try to innovate with the JRPG genre. And with 13, they did do that in many aspects. Like, sure, the story wasn't that great, but everything else tried to drive the genre forward. And, like, 12 as well, you know, they did so many things that drove the genre forward. And, and while the story didn't necessarily work that well, it still did a lot of right. It still did a lot of things right. And I, I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what people just forget. They're so focused on, oh, the story wasn't great, the characters weren't as memorable. But that's not every single thing that the game is. Yeah, no, the gameplay is arguably the best in the series in 13, 13 too. But I mean, like, if you think about, we mentioned earlier, Spencer, you compare Final Fantasy, the new ones on, on the PS3 and the Xbox 360, to all the other JRPGs that have come out this generation. It's still one of the better ones. Yeah, it's like, you know what? You always hear people saying how much they hate 13. When is the last time you listened to a video game podcast, besides Ninokuni, that they actually talked about another RPG series? That's not West... Well, yeah, that's not Western. Yeah, it's like, I never hear about Tales. Never hear about... I mean, like, it's like there are so few to really just, like, for traditional RPGs, like, that's what you're wanting for. It's like, and the word traditional is, like, so skewed now because of, like, how many other, like, kind of games there are. Anyway... Now that you've mentioned Nino Kuni and we've managed to pretty much avoid that. <laughs> so, Segway. Um, we're going to go on to the question segment, but it's going to be a pretty quick one. So I don't know if you want to just go through that, Spencer. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, what is it? Um, trigger 24-7? Uh, trigger. Trigger. Okay. Trigger. Odd font was hurting your name there. <laughs> Nino Kuni was released a couple weeks ago. I uh, I have heard it is being described as the new JRPG. Do you think it could rival Final Fantasy? Um, it depends what you mean by rival. I mean, as, a, as an independent entity, I think the quality of it is very good. It, now, it I of... now I haven't finished it, though, but it it, it wraps itself up pretty well, though. Yeah, you? I mean, is what I've heard. It, it, it does have that, again, it's about like a, a really young kid saving the world mm-hmm. which no one has amnesia though so yeah. don't worry well, <laughs> none of the main characters do but i think like it, it's the kind of it's the kind of jrpg that people needed because it doesn't do anything it, it, it's very safe mm. it's very safe in a lot of different ways like it, it's kind of cherry picked what the different games have done well so like the combat is a mixture between like tales and pokemon and then you've got like um, certain elements of Final Fantasy that they'll bring in, like the like how the world map works and like the progression through vehicles and travel. Um, and I think the the way the story has been handled also works really well because you actually have an antagonist that you're fighting against, and and that's something that a lot of JRPGs have missed out on. Yeah, like it, it seems like a, a really um, common sense thing, but having a consistent enemy actually makes the game more enjoyable because you know you're going to have to face them at some point. You know they're going to mm-hmm. kick your ass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like 13 especially was was absolutely mm-hmm. terrible for that. 13 T kind of made up for a bit with Caius. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, there's a lot of other ones out there that are absolutely shocking. But I don't think it's necessarily going to rival the Final Fantasy franchise. As Spencer said, like... It, it, the sale, the sales of it are going to be okay. I can't see it really like kicking off that well. Mm. There's we, a reason we didn't get the DS version. Let's just say that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, it's going to sell okay. And but as for a sequel, I I think it's probably something that we may we may see a sequel for it. 
boring. I would actually see instead of, of like I'm surprised no one's kind of brought up. Instead of just like getting a sequel, I was like, why don't we just ask Level Five to work with um, Studio, Studio Ghibli, Ghibli more more often? Yeah, because like they can not only be known for making amazing like single entity stories for movies, but as well as for games. Yeah, level five. Level five had a good reputation for for JRPGs as well. Yeah, like I mean, Studio Ghibli is all about the stories, isn't it? No, no movie they've. I don't think they've made any sequels ever, have they? Nope. No, not one sequel. Every story is completely original. They sold out before Pixar. Yeah, so it's just like you know they could easily do that with the video games. I honestly don't see it um see it beating final fantasy if only because final fantasy was a pioneer um it's kind of like madonna it's kind of like the madonna of the jrpg (laughs) and the michael jackson of the jrpg series will it ever beat it probably not but good good choice of words it will it will at least it will at least probably be up there it's not a material girl Nah. <laughs> like a virgin. It's just weird. You'll remember there, your first time there with Nino Kuni. There is just those those types of games, types of people that they just they just are are the ones that are just the most memorable and the most just you know just stand out ones. And I guess I guess what I should say I hope it will be able to rival Final Fantasy because really there isn't another JRPG franchise that can. In terms of like exposure, I think Persona is probably the one. Well, Persona is like limited. Like it's got it's got about as big of a fan base as it will because it's Atlas, and it's like Atlas for the money they are like able to put out. That's that's pretty big for what I think. Doing. Catherine has probably yeah. helped Persona to a degree. Oh, Catherine's amazing. Yeah, and but you got to think then. Thankfully, like Namco was able to put this out. Namco has quite a big of a budget. I'm actually surprised they didn't do more. I don't know about you guys, but I there were like zero actual like television ads I ever saw anywhere. Oh yeah, no. I Which I thought I, I swear all you would need, I bet at least a couple thousand people would have bought it if you just put up some gameplay. Put up the gameplay just, say talk from about the, the people who made Spirited yeah. Away. For the people who made Spirited Away, people would buy that. Or like put it in with like Ponyo. Like I don't know if they did any advertising with Ponyo. Like, there's so many people who are Studio Ghibli fans who I've talked to who have no clue about Nino Kuni, and they don't even know that Studio Ghibli is a part of it. Like, it's astounding. But Advertising. Yes. Everyone yeah. needs to learn how to do it better. Yeah. But yes, if you um, are a fan of JRPGs, and I'm guessing you are since you're listening to this podcast, definitely check Nino Kuni out. You, 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 I'd like to think you won't be disappointed. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't heard of anyone who's played it that I know from the Final Fantasy world that has been remotely disappointed. I guess the only thing that that I could even count as a negative about it is that it is it's not like Final Fantasy where it's a bit more it, it seems a bit more adult or adolescent. It's definitely more a um, an everyone, you know? yeah, it's an everyone type game. Well, even Studio Ghibli. Well, there's also, well, also don't forget, there is a demo, so like there's Princess no risk Mononoke. there. You can try oh the demo. God. I'm never showing any kid Princess Mononoke <laughs> with all the limbs flying off, lepers stuff. Ugh. But yeah, no, it's definitely it's, but it's good. It's like Disney. Anyway, and there's Welsh accents. Yes. Yes. So for the the tiny, music tiny, segment tiny. on this episode we're actually we're actually kind of a bit unconventional uh i have a feeling that it's going to appeal to some <laughs> probably not others so if that is the case we apologize in advance but we're trying to be hip and trendy 
So we're putting up a dubstep arrangement of Eris, Eris's theme called Death to Eris. The two most mainstream things I've ever heard on this podcast. Yes. Final Fantasy VII and dubstep. Yep. And uh, the arranging was out. Green Ravers, mm. if you're interested. At least we're not doing the Harlem Shake. Not yet. Or, oh, yeah, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Anyway. Opening theme song. So <laughs> the next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to come out on the 19th of March in a month's time. And you can subscribe to Final Fantasy Union and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes store. If you just search for Final Fantasy, we're the number one podcast. Whee. Obviously, um, we're still going to try and put out Ask Square Enix, the, the, uh, the pilot episode, this Friday. So hopefully that goes up on the Friday or the Saturday. Um, we hope you enjoy listening to that. It's going to be it's a complete experiment. So if it all goes completely flat, we apologize. Mm. <laughs> you can obviously catch out all our Final Fantasy uh, news coverage on FinalFantasyUnion.com as well as our news and features and uh, you know check us out on facebook twitter all that good stuff and um pinterest yeah we're not there yet we're not that we're not, <laughs> we're not that, that bold. cool yet no we're not that hip we're still we just no. heard about dubstep give us a give us a yeah, couple of days come on. spencer is i believe you had a, a, a shout out you wanted to make oh yes um i i am constantly told by people um i mentioned before um i run a podcast it's all about persona so you're if constantly you enjoyed... told by people you run a podcast that's good i am actually <laughs> you um, run a podcast I... <laughs> you. you know at the rate at the rate i've been putting out episodes you might be thinking that <laughs> there you no, are no but um uh yeah i run a podcast called um the persona podcast i've mentioned it before if you liked our little persona talk or somehow i've missed last time i mentioned it or somehow me screaming about it all the time yeah um you can check us out on itunes um lauren hosts it with me as well as uh, two other people who you may know um varnis and melissa um yeah you can just check us out on facebook as well and join our group we don't like have a like page because i like to be super personal with everybody and we all get in a group and talk about things and share pictures and do fight club which i can't do yet Yes, I'm gonna have to mail you a copy one of these days, Lauren. <laughs> like everyone has a copy but you. I'm sorry. One of our co-hosts literally came to America, bought a copy and a whole PlayStation, and he only plays that one game on it. I'm sorry. That's dedication. No, it's okay, Lauren. You're just you're playing hard to get. We're gonna send you a copy. If we saw through your plan. <laughs> so yes, if you like that, um, just yeah, look up the Persona podcast. There's like nothing else out there, so it's pretty easy to find. And hopefully, if you guys enjoy RPGs or Persona, you will enjoy that mm. plus every now and then we throw in little interviews with voice actors yay voice actors like yuri lowenthal yes the ben 10 mm-hmm. as i call him or the prince of the, persia the prince, yes anyway this show has gone on long enough yeah it's true so it was a meaty show though it was a meaty very meaty lots of intense discussions oh we didn't actually say what the next burning question was going to be the next burning question is going to be do you think final fantasy versus 13 is going to end up on the playstation 4 bam i was i was hoping you had forgotten and that was going to be my goodbye no (laughs) (laughs) i was like ooh, i'm gonna have the best goodbye ever this time but you can say you goodbye now it's not going to be very good because i've ruined it for you okay Bye. Next week's burning question: Do you think Final Fantasy vs. <laughs> will be on PlayStation 4? <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> Hope you like that. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a tweaksmusic.com and FinalFantasyUnion.com production. Yeah.